I want to welcome all of our campuses and those connecting over the internet. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to this series we're calling The Struggle is Real. Today we're going to talk about conflict, which isn't a topic that most people like to talk about. Can't we just talk about how much we love each other? Why do we have to talk about conflict? I mean, if it was up to Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day should prove that we really do love each other. Um, according to this research I found this week, the National Research Federation, Americans spent $18.9 billion on Valentine's Day this year. That's a lot of money. Here, here's how that breaks down. $52 million in flowers, $50 million in jewelry, $1.7 billion worth of candy. We really do love each other. 36 million heart-shaped boxes like this one. Why do we need to talk about conflict? Look how much we love each other. Isn't it interesting that the people that we love the most seems to be the people that we get in the most intense arguments with. The struggle is real. Turn with me, if you would, to James. James chapter four, if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's a worship guide at every campus and there's some notes you can take. Also, the key text for the day. James chapter four is where we'll be in just a minute. Uh, while you're finding that, you know, I think about the mom who went across her, her daughter's room one day. Her little girl was playing with her dolls and uh, she had Ken, she had Barbie, and she said, it's time for the wedding. The, the mom kind of stopped, but the girl didn't see her, and she kind of leaned in, and the girl looked at Ken, the doll, and said, Ken, it's time for your vows. So the mom leaned in to see what the little girl was gonna say, and she said, Ken, you have the right to remain silent. <laughs> Anything you say can and will be used against you. <laughs> the struggle is real, conflict, is inevitable, and James talks about it, and look at his question in James chapter four, verse one, he says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Notice he doesn't say, uh, what's the issue? He doesn't say, what are you arguing about? He says, what's the cause? The original language, where is it coming from? What place is this argument coming from? What is the root cause of the argument. What James is saying is, is I don't have time to address everything you guys argue about. I don't have time to talk about all the things that cause fights with you and your relationships. And today we don't have time to do that either, but if you think about it, we really do argue about some pretty silly things if you just step back and think about it that we just have strong opinions about, but it's really not the cause. Now, since we have the big youth weekend, I thought I would try to just incorporate toilet paper into some part of this message. All right, should it be over? Or should it be under? Over or under? Let's just take a little poll. How many of you guys say over? Should it be over? All right. How many say, no, 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 it's under? Any, under? Yeah, they're out there. And the humor is, is that the overs are married to the unders. Argue about, I'm just glad it's in there, but anyway. Get a nice tube of toothpaste. Just so wonderful to find, you know, and it's just great. It's a, it's a wonderful day when this happens, and some people say you need to squeeze it from the end right here, because that's just the most effective and efficient strategic way to get the most toothpaste out of the tube. <laughs> Other people are like, no, you just squeeze it anywhere, and this is really makes the most sense because it's gonna come out the quickest. How many of you would say you have to squeeze it from the end? You have to squeeze it from the end? How many say, you know, you, know, you can squeeze it from here or anywhere else, it doesn't really matter, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually causing conflict in this message already. <laughs> These are just illustrations, ladies and gentlemen. 
uh, we don't have time to talk about all their arguments, but phones cause a lot of conflict. They're designed to keep us connected, but how many arguments are over these things? Would you please get off your phone? I really wish you would answer the phone when I call, you know? Uh, I really wish you were on social media so you could see what everybody was doing and you could heart and everything like we do. I really wish you would get off social media right now. Uh, how can we have this many data points in, on our bill? Does anybody, did you crack the screen again? You know, honey, I really wish you would text me and I really wish you would use emoticons <laughs> so I know how you feel. Supposed to help us, but we get in arguments about all kinds of things, and what James is saying is, is I don't have time to address every issue we argue about. He's saying, what's the root cause of it? But he's being realistic, and we should too. You're gonna have conflict. Remember, James is written to Christians. It's not those heathens that are having all these arguments. It's people that say they love Jesus and wanna follow him that get in these conflicts with people we really do love. And because James is addressing it so realistically, that means that every married couple listen to me, you've had a fight, a really good one in the last three months. It was really a good one. It means that every teenager has argued with your parents in the last three months, had a really good fight, and every parent has argued with your kids and had a conflict in the last three months. And of course, you're thinking, why are you saying the last three months? We had a conflict on the way here today. <laughs> the struggle is real. So what does James say about it? Look at the whole text with me. He says, what's causing these quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight. And you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. He's saying you have to understand that you're gonna have conflict. He doesn't start out in verse one and say, hey, if you ever have an argument, here's what you need to know. He says, no, no, Christians, you're in the fight. You're having conflict. And I hope you notice the two big reasons why we have conflict. If you miss them, here they are. The number one cause of conflict, you're like, why am I fighting? Why are we arguing? It's because we're all self-centered people. We're all self-centered. Did you notice what James says? He says, you don't have what you want. Isn't that what selfishness does? I want this. I need this. This needs to happen. I don't care what you want. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you think we should do. I want this my way. My expectations here, your actions here. The, the distance between that is our conflict and you need to do what I want. Selfishness says it's all about me. What I want, what I need, when I want it, how I want you to do it, and that's it. Selfishness is in all of us. And I didn't realize how selfish and self-centered I was until I got married. Wow. I mean, I, I like things a certain way, I like to do things a certain way, and all of a sudden there's this other person in my life, and I realize marriage isn't about me, it's about us. All of a sudden I realize just how self-centered I can be at times. And I really didn't know how self-centered I was until I had kids. Hello. I mean, when that baby starts crying in the other room, what I would do is I like sleep. And so I would just elbow Lori until she kind of started waking up and then I would act like I was asleep. <laughs> I didn't want to get up. I, I like to rest. I don't want to help my elementary kid with their homework. I want to watch Sports Center. I'm self-centered. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't struggle with selfishness and I don't struggle with self-centeredness at all. Okay, 
That means you're not married and you don't have any kids. But let me just make sure you realize the struggle is real and we all deal with this. And let's just go back to the phones. Let's just suppose I get all your friends together or your family together in a group shot and I take a picture and say, hey, let me take this picture, I'm gonna post it. And I take the picture and then I turn it around and say, hey, tell me if this is a good picture before I post it. Who are you looking at in the picture? You're looking at you. If it's a good picture of you, it's a great picture, post it. It doesn't care if they've got their eyes closed, somebody else has got this weird look on their face, someone's looking off in the distance, somebody's got something in their teeth. If it's a good picture of you, let's get that on social media right now. You see, the struggle is real, and we're having this conflict, James is saying, because we're self-centered. But here's the other reason. It's because they are different than we are. They're different than us. You see, we're having this struggle because we're selfish people inside and because they are also selfish people and they're different than us. You see, did you notice what James says in verse two? He says, you don't have what you want because you're not going to God for it. Why would you go to God for anything? Because he's perfect, because he's faithful, because he never lets you down? Why would you go toward an imperfect person and expect them to bat a thousand? They can't, they're human beings. And when they drop the ball and when they don't meet your expectations, you get angry, you get upset because they're just different than you are. Have you noticed? I mean, they have different talents, different personalities, and here's the problem. The problem is, is everybody who's different than you has the potential to get on your nerves. Here's the other problem, everybody's different than you, so you are sitting next to potential conflict right now. We're all different. And did you notice that we even handle conflict differently? I mean, people are so different, they handle conflict differently. Let me put this in two major categories, keep it simple for us. Some people, when it comes to conflict, are what I call turtles. Just think about a turtle. A turtle is deliberate. A turtle is calm. A turtle gets to the destination eventually, and they have you know, a great purpose in life. But what do turtles do when they get attacked or they get uncomfortable with a situation? What do turtles do? They do this right here. Where'd that turtle go? Turtle's in its shell. What that looks like in relationships is if if, if a turtle is mad at you, they're just gonna retreat into their shell. They're not really gonna say anything to you for a few hours, maybe a few days. They're not gonna like anything on social media all of a sudden, they're just not there anymore. They're gonna retreat. Maybe they retreat into folding the clothes or going out in the garage. If you're married to a turtle, what they'll do is, is like they'll withhold affection from you and you don't know what's going on. And if they do kiss you, it's like kissing your sister. You're like, something's wrong, I just don't know what it is. They're retreating. They may even retreat to a book. They may even retreat to the Bible. I'm sorry I can't talk to you right now. I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> this is very spiritual to come back. And they get so into their shell that they go out and hang up with the guys, go over to mom's house, hang out with the girls, whatever it might be. And you just don't know what's happening. They're a turtle when it comes to conflict. Now the other major category is the exact opposite and I call these people sharks. Now just think about a shark. A shark is sleek and it's fast, it's ready for anything and it's ready to attack the day. Now what do sharks do when it comes to conflict? Well, this is what that looks like. It's not very pretty, it's scary. Notice this seal does escape with its life, but the shark doesn't care. It's still gonna be ugly and mean, even though it missed the target, it's gonna hit something. So what sharks do when it comes to arguments. And so if a shark comes home late and you just say, you know, I really wish you would have been on time, the dinner's cold. Oh no, I know you didn't just say that to a shark. 
Because a shark is gonna turn that on you and say, oh yeah? Well, at least you got a table to put that on because I'm working hard and that's why I was late. And if that doesn't work, the shark will just start ridiculing you like, oh, you're just like your mom. You're just like your dad. If that doesn't work, they just get all sarcastic and they may even say really ridiculing things like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And what happens with sharks, they're so good at arguing, what happens with them is after you get done with the conversation, you don't even remember what you brought up and you don't even know why you even bothered. They're that good. Now I would ask who the turtles are, but it's really hard to get your hand out of that shell and raise it, so I won't even ask who they are. But you know who you are. Now, I'm definitely not gonna ask who the sharks are because you're ready to raise your hand. You were born to tell you who you are. Now, now my wife says that I'm kind of a new species. We haven't really identified it yet, but here's, here it is. Our, our creative team, the best we can come up with is a shakurtle. But anyway, I, I like to kind of withdraw, but if you really mess with me long enough, a shark is in there, I promise. I got a long fuse, but don't wait till it blows up. You know, whatever you, uh, way you approach conflict, here's the main challenge, especially when it comes to marriage. Let me show you what most marriages look like, whichever one you are. Here's the picture of it, there you go. We got a shark and a turtle in the same waters, and that is dangerous and potential conflict. Because the turtle is gonna withdraw, it's gonna retreat, and eventually that turtle will pop back out of its shell after a few hours, a few days, but let's don't talk about it. Let's just act like that never happened. Let's just internalize all that. And a shark is not gonna do that. A shark's gonna bust in the door, doesn't matter what's happening, tell it like it is, tell you how I feel, this is what's going on. And a shark gets really angry and then feels really guilty. I'm so sorry I bit your arm off. <laughs> the conflict and the struggle is real. Now here's the question, you may be really discouraged right now and say, is there any hope for us? I mean, we're all so different and we're all so selfish and self-centered. Can we really make it in this life? How do we get through conflict? Why are we fighting? And how can we move to another direction? Is there any hope? And the good news is, is yes. With God's help, we can actually turn our selfishness into an attitude of service toward that other person. And with God's help, we can actually use our differences to complement each other instead of being such a root cause of conflict all the time. You say, well, how would that work? Well, James gives us a pathway to peace, and I wanna make it really simple, because you're not gonna have time to go back to these notes once the conflict starts. I heard a really good message on this. Let me go back and find it real quick. You don't have time at that point. So if you can remember A, B, C, you can remember how to navigate conflict and move your relationship to a place of peace. You ready? The A, all, all of this is in James that we just read. The A is for attack the problem. Now, sharks out there, you like the word attack, like, yeah, let's attack. Oh, not, listen, not the person. Attack the problem. You see, it's real easy to go after the individual, but it's really difficult to find the issue. You wanna attack the problem and figure out what's going on, and James tells us, I hope you caught this, that the problem may not be where you think it is, because you think it's everybody else's fault. It's mom and dad's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my coworker's fault. But notice what James says. He says, no, no, don't look around you first. In James chapter four, verse one, he says, look in you. Look at this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle? Help me out, Lake Point, where? Within you. Oh, I need to look inside first. You see, before you have the conversation, 
You wanna attack the problem, and that means you're gonna have to say, Lord, would you show in me anything that I need to deal with? And when you pray that, you may be 5% of the problem, you may be 95% of the problem, but I'm gonna encourage you to look inside because most of the time as you look inside there, you're like, oh, the problem is inside of me, and it's not really even them, it's something that's churning inside of me. And Jesus says it very succinctly in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter seven. Let me put it on the screen for you. He says, you gotta look in your heart and don't just look to them. He says, why are you gonna worry about some issue, a little speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me help you out with that and get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Now, when Jesus was teaching this, this is what's called a humorous moment in the message. It's funny. Jesus is saying, how are you gonna help somebody with their problem and it's like this big when you've got a ginormous tree growing out of your brain? How are you gonna do that? It's funny. I mean, everybody in the crowd would have laughed and then Jesus would have disarmed them with humor and they would have gone, ooh, that's a good point. So what Jesus is saying is, is, hey, stop yelling. Stop pointing fingers. Stop exploding at the first sign of any kind of reaction. Instead, attack the problem. And the first place to look is inside of you. You see, before this message, you may have said, you know what, I know exactly what the problem is. I'm sitting next to them right now. That's what the problem is. But look within you, James says, and that's where you wanna start. So the A is attack the problem, A, B, C. The B is, is when you have the conversation, do it the best time and the best way. Now, not the best time and the best way for you. You say, oh, I know the best time, it's right now. I know the best way, if you're a turtle, I'm gonna walk around the block for several years. Uh, you, know, you know, the best time and the best way for both parties. How can I help them? How can I help us? And, and what, what can I do to help this relationship move forward? When it comes to conflict, James is saying we're doing it all wrong. Look at verse two again. He says, you want what you don't have. But watch this, you're going about it all the wrong way. You're scheming and you're killing to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Now you may stop and say, well, at least I haven't ever killed anybody when it comes to conflict, so I'm doing pretty good. Well, let me remind you of a verse in Proverbs. Let me put it on the screen for you. It's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And I'm gonna ask all the campuses right here in Rockwall, let's say the first two words together. What are the first two words? Words kill. You see, if we're all honest, we know exactly what we can say to the people that we love to hurt them. Not kill them physically, but worse than that. Every wife knows exactly what you can say to your husband to kill him. And every husband knows what you can say to your wife to kill her. And every teenager knows exactly what you can say to your parents that would kill them. And every parent knows exactly what you could say to your kids that would kill them. Not physically, but worse than that. Kill their dreams kill their excitement, kill their ideas because you don't understand them, kill their opinion because it's not yours, and worst of all, kill their self-esteem and even how they see themselves because we didn't say it the best time and the best way. What we wanna come back to and realize is, is you can't win an argument because if you love that person and you're doing life with them, if you hurt them, you hurt yourself. You see, what James is saying is, is you gotta do it the best time and the best way and stop going about it the wrong way. Well, how do I make sure my words are right in the best way? Well, let me just give you a little practical, um, uh, you know, just application to the message. I'm gonna use some candy. This is my favorite candy back as a kid, a Tootsie Roll. They're very inexpensive. You can have them in your house or just imagine that you do. Here's what I'm saying. Before you say anything, 
I want you to imagine or literally put this candy in your mouth and you can't say anything until you're done with it. Now, now, you say, now I know what all the sharks are thinking. You're like, I'm gonna swallow it. I'm just gonna <laughs> swallow it. I'm ready to talk. No, you have to enjoy the candy, okay? Step back and don't say the first thing that came to your mind or probably even the second thing. Just to say, this is the best time and the best way. Take time to pray and say, God, help me to say this in a way that's really gonna help us, help bring healing, help us really resolve this. And God, what are they going through, by the way? What have they been dealing with? And Lord, help me to see from, through their eyes and love them like you do. But also for turtles, listen, when you finish the candy, we do need to talk, okay? Eventually it does dissolve. And you wanna do it in the best time and the best way and make sure that your words are the best words for what God wants you to, to say and help the relationship. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says it this way, and I'm gonna ask you guys to read this verse with me. Let's say this together. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it is possible, it means it may not be possible, but I'm gonna do everything I can to say this and do this the best time, the best way to help us resolve this. Two words that'll really help you with this are I feel. You see, that's a lot different than you did this. It's a lot different than, and please don't ever say this, you always, oh yeah, well you never. I feel disarms the situation because it's not talking about you. It's talking about how it made me feel. When you squeeze the toothpaste from the middle, I feel disrespected. <laughs> now that may be the dumbest thing you've ever heard, but it's how they feel. And when you do that, you're able to communicate without causing, hopefully, conflict to arise. And see, when you do that, and men, this may be worth coming to the whole message today. You ready for this, men? 50% of conflict resolution with your wife is just listening to how she feels and not trying to fix her feelings. Just listening. And after she's done saying whatever she's gonna say, even if it doesn't make any sense to you to say, I'm really sorry you feel that way. You'd be amazed, you're welcome, by the way. <laughs> now for ladies, this may be worth coming today as well because you wanna do it the best time and the best way and they're different, we're different from each other. I read this week in some research that men are mono-minded and women are stereo-minded. What that means is that we can only use one side of our brain at a time because the fibers between our hemispheres aren't that strong. Ladies, when you speak to us, you speak in stereo, both sides of your brain working at the same time. It's very impressive. <laughs> now the reason why guys are struggling and we're mono-minded is something called testosterone according to this research and it, when we were boys, it kind of damaged those fibers between hemispheres and what that means, ladies, is men are brain damaged. You're welcome. <laughs> this is why it seems like we're a little slow emotionally. That's why we may even seem insensitive at times. That's why we get aggravated when you're trying to talk to us and we're on the phone because we can't do two things at once. Ladies, you can talk on the phone, be making dinner, helping the kids with their homework and answering emails and it all makes sense to you. <laughs> we can't do that. We can't drive and have a meaningful conversation. We're mono-minded. And this is why, ladies, when you're in the living room heading toward the garage, you're thinking about something in the kitchen and it all makes sense to you. This is why I walk into a room and go, why am I here? <laughs> We're all different and so we wanna attack the problem looking within and we wanna do it the best time and the best way for both parties. And that takes a lot of wisdom. And Lord willing, we can get to this sea, which is the most powerful. We can begin a time of confession to each other. 
Now for sharks out there, confession is not opening the door and saying, sorry about that, and then closing the door. <laughs> that is not confession, all right? Confession is, is you're gonna have to practice this, confession is words like this, I was wrong. Powerful words in a relationship. Words like this, will you forgive me? You see, will you forgive me is different than I'm sorry. I'm sorry just drops, I'm sorry, deal with it. Will you forgive me is will you forgive me? And it places that burden now on you because either intentionally or unintentionally, I've wronged you and now I'll just wait and see if you will release me from what I've done. James, one page over, James chapter five, uh, verse 16 says it this way. He says, confess, there's that word. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I really wanna encourage you to lean into confession. After you've done the A and the B, to really, to really realize how powerful it can be when you confess to the other person, your friend, your coworker, your, your parent, your child, your spouse. I sat down recently with a couple and they were really struggling. They've been married for over 10 years and, and uh, they're both believers, but they just have these really knock down, drag out behind closed doors arguments and they, they were really burdened by it. And as we talked, it didn't take long for the wife to realize that she'd been holding resentment over her husband for something he did seven years ago. And all of a sudden she realized when he would do a little thing, she'd take the whole big resentment and pile it on top of that and it turned into this huge intense argument. And let me tell you how powerful it was when they moved into a time of confession and this wife looked at her husband for the first time in 10 years of marriage and said, would you forgive me? for being resentful and for being bitter, I confess that to you. It was powerful and thankfully that, that husband really sensed God's spirit in his own life and looking within himself and he said, well yes of course, would you forgive me? Because I've been so wrapped up and driven at work and trying to make the business go that I've really neglected time with you and the kids, would you forgive me for that? It was powerful because then she looked at him and said, would you forgive me because I haven't been very patient when you've needed to do things that I know are important and really help our family, but I haven't been very patient with that. And then for him to say, would you forgive me because sometimes when I'm even home, I'm not present there because I'm so tied into social media and to emails and things that are going on that I'm not really engaged with you and the kids like I need to be, would you forgive me? And to hear her say, I just wanna confess to you that I haven't been the encouraging wife I need to be. And it's almost like I could have just backed right out of the room because the power of that confession was, you could feel it. It was taking down the walls. It was really removing the conflict. And it, it wasn't saying we're not different. It wasn't saying we're not selfish. It was saying, I confess to you and I need forgiveness. I, I need you to re release me. And, and really what James is saying here is we need to confess. And here's the other C. We need to, we need to consider that we need to centralize our lives on Christ. And I just wanna confess, I just wanna put Christ at the center of this whole relationship. And I really challenge that couple, and I'll challenge you, if you're married, I wanna encourage you this week, at some point, for five minutes, I want you to join hands and I want you to pray together. Five minutes, sometime this week. You choose the time, you choose the day. Five minutes is the length of most commercial breaks now. And even if you've never prayed out loud as a couple, just hold hands and say, let's pray silently and be still before God for five minutes. But just think about the power if you, like I challenged this couple three weeks ago, could just say out loud as a husband, God, thank you for my wife. Bless and help her with her burdens right now. 
Think about the power for a wife to say out loud to her husband, God, thank you for this man. Thank you for his leadership in our home. Bless him and guide him and give him wisdom. It's powerful. This couple has only been doing this for three weeks. They came back to me and said, this is the most amazing thing ever. We've been Christians for a long time. We just neglected that moment to stop and pray together, putting Christ first. Here's how James chapter four, verse two says it. The last part, it says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. What if we as couples, we as singles, we as teenagers, we as people said, I'm gonna put Christ first. I'm not gonna rely on people. I'm not gonna rely on you to make me happy or you to do everything right. I'm gonna go to God who is perfect. And because I'm leaning on him, he is gonna help me bring peace to all the relationships in my life. It's a powerful choice. Here's how Philippians puts it. It says we need to lean on God and, and give our needs to him. Philippians chapter four on the screen says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray together. Pray to God. Pray about everything. Tell, watch this, not the other person, tell God what you need. Thank God for all he's done. And then you're gonna experience God's peace. That's the opposite of conflict, what you've always been looking for, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. Watch this. As you live in Christ Jesus, as you focus on him, as you put Christ first. Are you doing that? To the level that you put Christ first is the level that conflict in your life will go away and definitely conflict in your own heart. Now let me be very real with you. My wife and I, we argue. He's saying, you can't argue, you're a pastor. We do. We've been married for over 20 years and we've had some pretty amazing conflicts. We've even had arguments where we forget what the original argument was. It might have been over toilet paper and toothpaste, but it really grew from there. And we've had times where we're really just, what is causing this war and this conflict among you? We had the privilege recently to go with our pastor, Steve, to the Holy Land and several life-changing moments, but one of those for us was is to actually stand on the ancient stones that Jesus was persecuted on and flogged and where he carried the cross and to actually realize that these were the actual stones. This literally happened in this literal place and this is where he took the punishment for us and this is where he took that cross for us. Pastor Steve gave a short devotional, read some scripture about what Jesus went through and how he carried his cross, and then it was silent, and we just spread out across these ancient stones in a still moment. And no one had to be instructed of what to do. People started crying. People started weeping. People got down on their knees and put their hands on this pavement and just in a thankful heart and attitude. People were very still, and it was an incredibly powerful spiritual moment to realize this is what Jesus did for us, and this is where it happened, and this is the cost of sacrifice. And as I was in this moment of just reflection of what Jesus has done for me and putting him first in my heart, I realized my wife was also kneeled down very close to me. And we kind of scooted close together and I put my hand with my wedding ring on my finger down on the pavement. She put her hand with the wedding finger on her hand down on the pavement and we took a picture and here it is. So you know what, let's frame this in our house. And every time we have an argument about something as silly as whatever it might be, let's go back to this and just like James is saying, let's go to God for what we need. Just like Paul is saying to Philippians, go to God for what you need and let him bring that peace. You see, when I reflect on how much Jesus loves me, I can love everyone else. When I reflect on how much he sacrificed for me, I can sacrifice for them even though they're different than me. When I reflect on how much Jesus forgave me, I can forgive and let go of grudges and bitterness and resentment. And I just wanna encourage you guys, what if the secret 
to our relationships working isn't billions of dollars worth of candy? What if the secret wasn't how much, how many heart-shaped boxes we received this year? What if the secret was giving our hearts afresh and anew to him and in reflection of his love and sacrifice, allowing that to bring peace to our heart so we can be peacemakers in our relationships? Let's pray about that together. Heavenly Father, in this quiet moment, I pray if there's anybody here that's never opened up their heart to you, that they would know that they're not here by accident, that today you brought them here to say you love them, and maybe they didn't get a Valentine's card this year, but you gave them much more than that, your only son who died and was buried and rose again. And I pray that right now in faith, they would open up their heart to you and receive the love and the forgiveness and the personal, wonderful gift of Jesus. For those of us who follow you, Lord, forgive us for being selfish, Help us to apply these truths to our lives and as far as it is possible, as much as it depends on us, help us live at peace with everyone, especially those in our own home. And I pray especially for those who feel like their lives are a war zone around them right now, that you would give them a supernatural peace in their own heart that only comes from you. And I thank you for the peace that passes understanding and the privilege we have to leave this place and be peacemakers wherever we go because of the love and the grace and the forgiveness that we have received through the one who deserves all praise, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. We ask all this in his name, and everyone said, amen. Let's give God a hand for his grace and his truth.